Well, good morning, Lindsley Avenue. Those of you who are here, appreciate uh, visitors. And those of you who are watching remotely, we're glad you are with us here this morning as well. I appreciate the opportunity to share a few thoughts with you as we bring 2020 to a close here, the last Sunday of this year. And so I thought that I first should get this thing going the way it's supposed to be. Be a little better that way. I thought when we look at this year, one thing came to mind. How do I view the year that's ending? Do I say farewell or in the case of 2020, perhaps good riddance? And I kind of like that little thing. That's a, a Christmas tree ornament. Maybe I need to track that down. It shows 2020 in a garbage can because 2020 has not exactly been probably many of our favorite years. Because especially when you look even here at Nashville, what a year 2020 has been. We started off the year with a tornado, early March. They say March comes in like a lion, or maybe they're supposed to come in like a lamb and leave like a lion, but this year it was a month early. Tornado over in East Nashville. I know individuals whose houses were condemned because the tornado came through. And then just about the time we started trying to work on the houses and get some of that cleaned up, we ended up with COVID, the pandemic. And, you know, people who are sick and in the hospital, people who are dying. I'm real glad that my sister got out of the hospital here recently. She spent seven days in there with COVID. It's real. Lockdowns, depression, especially among many of the people who are older because they don't have the ability without getting out to staying as in touch. We need to remember them. And Tennessee having the dubious honor of being the most contagious state or country in the world for most of the last week, 10 days. More cases per 100,000 residents than any other state in the country and any other country in the world. But Tennessee's really had a rough, rough time. And then just a couple of days ago, a bombing downtown with a picture that looks more like some other country in another part of the world than we would ever have expected here in Nashville. So 2020, maybe it deserves to not be remembered for very long. So I want you to remember as we think about it here this morning that bad things are going to happen. They always have and they always are going to. And being a member of God's family does not remove bad things happening even to members of his family, to brothers and sisters. When we read Job 14, verses 1 and 2, we read, Man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and withers. He also flees as a shadow and does not stand. You know, you see young people, they look so cute, they look so full of life. And then you get older and things look like you've dried up and about to blow away. Time does not stand still and the days of our lives are often full of trouble. When you think about Job, he lost his wealth. In the first chapter of the book of Job, he lost his oxen and donkeys. And as soon as he's told about that, his servants who were tending those oxen and donkeys were killed. His sheep were burned up, fire fell out of the sky and burned up his sheep. His camels were stolen and his children died. 
Talk about a year and a time that Job would not want to remember. Boom, 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 boom. And Job was a godly man. His health was then taken away. So why do bad things happen? Why? Why do bad things happen? Can't we all just get along? Can't we all just find a way to you know, have good things happen? Why do bad things happen? Well, I want you to remember, some bad things happen because of things that I do, things that you do. You know, if, if I'm driving 140 miles an hour on the interstate and I come up to a curve, I might be going a tad too fast for my tires to keep me on the road. And if I go flying off like a meteor, that's my fault because I chose to drive 140 miles an hour. Sometimes I make choices. I have, a, you know, you could say you, you make a choice and the choice has consequences. You know, it's, it's my fault if I eat 10 Big Macs a day, probably I'm going to face some health problems in the future. Bad things may happen because of choices I make. All right? If I choose to go over there and smack Jeff upside the head, I might get one lucky punch before he whoops on me. But a bad thing could be maybe I, you know, boom, hit him real hard. That's a bad thing, but it's a choice I made. Some bad things happen because of choices we each individually make. Other bad things happen because other people choose to make bad choices. You know, if I'm driving on the interstate and I'm going 55 miles an hour, somebody else may have decided to go 140. Hopefully it's not Evan. But somebody else may have decided to go 140 miles an hour and they come around a corner, they can't stay in their lane and bam, they smack me. Bad thing has happened not because of anything I chose or anything I did, but because of something someone else did. And when you're thinking about the bombing that happened just a few blocks away, somebody made a choice that has really impacted our community. Bad things happen. Sometimes choices people make, you don't even know they've made the choice and years later some bad thing happens. For example, Suppose a company, people running a company, decided to just bury toxic waste, right, that kills anything near it, toxic waste in the ground, and then the company goes bankrupt, everything moves away, and 30 years later, somebody builds houses on top of that same land. Everybody forgot. Nobody knew that the stuff is buried there, and the kids are playing, and they're affected by the choices people made that nobody even remembers. You know, or children are swimming in a river and have no idea that five miles upstream a company is dumping who knows what into the water. Sometimes bad things seem to happen from out of nowhere and you don't even know they're because choices other people make. Well, some things bad, sometimes bad things happen simply because of the way the world works. You know, I think of hurricanes and, and tornadoes like we saw here in Nashville. Why can't we have a world without hurricanes? You know, uh, it's, it's always funny to me that when you read stories or you see movies where somebody finds a lamp and they shine it, a genie comes out and the genie says, you can have three wishes. It's always a trap because whoever gets that and makes those three wishes always messes up. It never works out. And by the way, that's a lesson for us. 
right? We may think we want to make things better, but we almost always make them worse. And somebody might have thought, if you had this genie, I don't want any hurricanes. Well, if they do that, the world's doomed. Because hurricanes are absolutely necessary to spread the heat that comes near, near the equator and the tropics to cooler areas. Without hurricanes, the world would be a bad place because the tropical areas would just be really, really bad off. It's not God's fault that we as people always want to build houses on beaches where hurricanes come through every 20 years, right? It's not God's fault if we build a house in an area that's had earthquakes over and over and over again. I like the view. Well, you know, you might like the sh view shaking. You never know. So things sometimes happen because of choices I make, choices others make, or just this is the way the world works and sometimes you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. I want you to think about here, in all of these circumstances, God is not to blame. It's not God's fault if I choose to smack somebody upside the head. It's not God's fault if I freely choose to go 140 miles an hour on the interstate. It's not God's fault if I'm injured because somebody else goes 140 miles on the interstate. It's not God's fault that I keep choosing to build a house. And by the way, I don't have a beach house. But if somebody decides to build a house over and over and over again where the world with hurricanes just seems to wipe it clean every few years, God is not to blame. Remember, God is in control and God has a plan even if I don't know what it is and I can't tell in the middle of it what that ultimate plan is going to be. That is the basic message of the book of Job. Job is, is like, why are all these things happening to me? And God says, you think you know everything that's going on? Where were you when I built the world? You need to trust me and do what I ask. And Job eventually says, you know, that's what I will do. That's what we need to remember when bad things happen. Psalms 119, verse 71 uh, the psalmist actually says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted so that I might learn your statutes. I might learn your laws. I might learn what you want me to do. Sometimes it takes an illness that puts somebody on their back so that they can look up and find God. We all think we're going to live forever. We do, especially young people. We don't. And sometimes an illness that makes somebody worry about the fact that they may not live forever, forces them to confront, I need to find God. And so an illness, some kind of trouble may cause us to realize I am not in control here. I do not have control over everything that happens to me. I need to put my hope and faith in God. And I think that's very important to remember. Early Christians writing after the New Testament also thought about illnesses, problems, evil that occurs. One individual writing nearly about 200 AD said, although disease, accident, and death come upon the spiritual man, by the power of God they become the medicine of salvation. Through discipline they benefit those who are difficult to reform, which is truly good. What he's saying there is sometimes People don't want to do the right thing. They continue to go back to alcohol, to sin, to whatever it may be, and illness may force them to realize 
I'm not living the right way. Another individual said, God, he allows these things to happen for this reason that our faith may be tested. You know, things that are bad happen many times so that we will, again, think through the, uh, the fact that we are not in control of everything. Early Christians knew it just like people in the Bible. But even when bad things happen, one truth is we do not need to continue focusing on the past, looking back. And as an example for that, you can't let the focus be the past as hard as that is for all of us. One example, I think, reminds us of that very clearly, and that's the example of Lot. Lot. Back in Genesis 19, 17, Lot was told, do not look back. Get out of town. Leave this city because God's judgment is coming. Do not look back. Do not look back. And what happens? Chapter 19, verse 26. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and became a pillar of salt. She looked back at the town that she knew. She looked back as to where she had been living. She looked back and suffered the consequence because she was focused on the past rather than the future. Jesus himself said, remember Lot's wife. Now, specifically talking about not looking back to this city of sin, the lifestyle uh, and the place where they had been, that's not the specific point today, but it applies. Don't keep looking back at the past. Don't look at the past and think, why did things happen to me? Don't look back at the past saying, I sure wish I could do those things again. You can't focus on the past. You can't focus on the past. Look at why we are told not to remember. Look what God says here in Isaiah 43. Thus says the Lord, this is God speaking in the book of Isaiah. He says, do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild animals will honor me and the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people, the people who I formed for myself so that they might declare my praise. God says, don't be looking back. Don't be focused on the past. I don't think any of us really want to focus on 2020. But very broadly, do not look at yesterday. Do not look at last week. Do not look at last month. Do not focus on the past. Look forward because God's doing something new. Even in terms of leaving our own past behind. Acts 17. This is Paul. He's speaking in Athens and Greece to people that are the, the real wise people of the day, the philosophers. And he tells them the times of ignorance God overlooked. The times when people worshipped idols, when they didn't really seem to know who God was or where he was. God's overlooking that. But now, that was the past. But now, God commands men and women everywhere to repent. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. God does not care nearly as much about what you did or what yesterday was. He cares about what you're going to do right now. God doesn't care what happened yesterday. He doesn't care what you did an hour ago, yesterday, last year. He cares about the choice you make today, right now. Because just like Paul told them here, those times of ignorance when we were living for ourselves, making our own choices, 
That's the past. Now, God commands everyone everywhere to repent. And that now is right now for us. The past, our past is going to be forgotten depending on what we do right now. Back to Isaiah 43. God says, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. God will take his hand, as it were, and just wipe out any record of your past. Any sins that you might have, if, if the choice you make today, the choice you make now, is not to keep doing the same things. What a wonderful, wonderful thought. God will not remember my sins. He won't remember your sins. And he's going to just blot out, like take a giant eraser and remove them. How does that happen? In, whoops, in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, chapter 8, verse 12, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, For I will be merciful, I will show mercy toward their iniquities, toward their sins, and I will remember their sins no more. He's going to show mercy to you and to me. And he will not remember our sins. Why is he going to block the sins out? Why is he going to not remember my sins? Why is he not going to remember your sins? Here's the passage from 2 Corinthians 5, 17. So if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Jesus, there is a new creation. He, she is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. Everything has become new. When we become a member of God's family, when we die to ourselves and our old ways and live for God, when we decide to change our lives from wrong to right, when we put Jesus on in baptism, when we die to sin and are raised to walk in newness of life, that is when all of our past sins and mistakes are forgiven and just wiped away. If anyone, if, there's an if there, if anyone is a new creature in Jesus. If I'm not a member of God's family, all my sins and all my mistakes are still there on the page. God hasn't blotted them out unless I'm a member of his family. But often we are the ones. We are the ones who can't forget the past. We are the ones who continue to remember our mistakes long after God's blotted them out. You know, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I've often wondered... If we, in fact, have been forgiven of sins, will we still think about it? If you continue to pray, God, please forgive me for having done this. And you had prayed previously, please forgive me to do that. And you're a member of God's family. You've put on Jesus in baptism. I've often wondered, is God up there going, what's he talking about? Because God said, I have forgotten those things. And we keep bringing them up to him. We often can't let go of our past. We are often the ones that focus on our past and our mistakes. God says, forget that stuff. Because you're a new person now. You're living for me. I don't care about the past. I care about your choices right now and tomorrow and the next day. Philippians 3, verses 14 through 15. This is Paul talking about his past. And he had a big one. He had put people to death who were following Jesus. 
You're doing all sorts of things. Look what he says. Forgetting the things which are behind and stretching forward toward the things which are ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He could easily have spent every day remembering all the stuff he had done. Help, helping drag out Christians in chains, handing them over to the high priest, standing in approval as one of God's children was stoned to death. That could have destroyed him. Grief often does when we focus on it. Paul says, forgetting the things which are behind, which I can't change anyway, I press on, I reach out, I stretch forward toward the goal of the prize of the high calling that each of us has in Christ Jesus if we're members of his family. He had been involved in all sorts of things. He left those past actions behind and he pressed on for what Jesus had offered, which was love, grace, and mercy as a member of his family. So the last slide here, 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Peter says, Therefore be humble under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares on him, because he cares for you. So questions for this morning. Are you worried about the past? Are you worried about your past? Do you have memories of choices that you've made that led to hurt, that led to bad things, that led to sin because at the time we weren't thinking about God? If that is true, I hope you're concerned enough about your future to realize that God's call is for you. God's call is for me. I need to humble myself before God. I need to repent of my past mistakes. I need to understand what Jesus did for me. And I need to realize that he called for me to be immersed in water so that I could die to my sins and be raised to walk as a new person. For God has a plan for me and a plan for you. So I want to ask you, please, please choose to come to God today because he cares for you as we stand and sing.